I'm going to read verse, chapter 21, verse 34 and 36. Luke chapter 21, verse 34 and 36. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. <clears throat> There's a great event hap going to happen in our world, and it's going to happen any day now. And you say, hang on, Pastor, um, <clears throat> what are you talking about here? Lord Jesus Christ is coming back, and the Bible clearly tells us that it, it, it can be any day. It can be any day. In fact, the New Testament 300 times talks about the return of the Lord. It speaks far more about the second coming of the Lord than it does about the first coming of the Lord. It's, it's, it's all the way through it. And in fact, if we were to go back to New Testament times, and oftentimes that's exactly what we want to do, is we want to go back to New Testament times. What we would find in New Testament times is, we would find that the believers lived every day expecting him to come back today. They, they, they did not live expecting to die. They lived expecting that he would come back for them. Now the problem for us is we're 2,000 years on from that. And you know what? If you have to wait 2,000 years for something, it gets old. And we've come to the place where, you know, 2,000 years is a long time to wait. So <clears throat> where we're at today is we're in the place where, yeah, well, I suppose he's going to come sometime. But if he hasn't come in the last 2,000 years, maybe he won't come in the next 2,000 years. And it's something that's gone on the long finger for us. Something that we're not living in the same place as the New Testament believers lived. And you know what? It's an important doctrine. But it's much more important that we carry it in our hearts, the reality of the fact that he's coming. Any day he's coming for me now. It has a huge impact on our lives if we actually uh, have it in our hearts and live with that reality. And I realize, you know, we struggle to do it because it's 2,000 years. They didn't struggle, I think, because they knew. They, <laughs> they felt fully assured in their hearts that, that he was coming, and he was coming right then for them. He had gone, they had seen him bodily go, and they were expecting him to come back, and they were expecting to see him again any day. But the command of the scripture is that we're to be waiting, we're to be living with the reality of the fact that the Savior is coming back. And he's coming back any time. And that is a life-changing attitude. If he's coming back any time, you know what? That changes everything I do. Everything I do comes through the grid of, well, it could be, he could, could be coming back today. Now, I'm going to live on purpose, and I'm going to live with a plan, but you know what? My plan ne may never come to pass. I'm going to live with the, in the reality that he's coming back, and he can come back, come for me any day. That's a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to look at our verses. Father, would you bless us this morning, Lord, as we look to you. Uh, Lord, we know that you have an interest in this doctrine, and we know that you want it to be in our hearts. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you quicken us now? Quicken me as I speak, Lord, that I might 
say those words you would have me to say. And Lord, for your people, would you quicken us that we might hear all that you want for us to hear. And blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, you understand our plight. You understand, Lord, the heart that wants to live in the reality of you coming back. But uh, Lord, you recognize, Lord, that because it's 2,000 years, we have a hard time staying in that place. Help us, Lord. This day I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so he's coming again. The New Testament is laden with commands uh, to, to be focused upon the return of our Savior. Now, it's commands. We're commanded to be focused on that return, to keep that in mind, not to let that slip from our mind. Let's go through some of them here. Matthew twenty four forty two. Watch therefore, for ye know not uh, what hour your Lord doth come. So you're to watch. The idea is you're to be looking to the sky, waiting for him to come. Matthew twenty four forty four. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Um, the idea, again, is we're to be ready because he's coming in a, in a time when we think not. Matthew twenty five thirteen. Watch therefore, for ye know not, you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man uh, cometh. Mark 13, verse 33. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Luke twelve forty. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour uh, when ye think not. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We have it on our, uh, as our theme verse for this year. <laughs> now, look, we could go through, we could spend the whole service going through verses that just deal with the, with the second coming of the Lord. But, but there's just one thought that we want to catch. We have a command, an injunction. God tells us, I want you to be waiting for this. I want you to be waiting on this. I want you to be expecting this. I want this to be uppermost in your minds and in your heart, the fact that I'm coming back for you. Uh, that's something you are to live with the reality of that all the time. And you will know from your own heart that when those times when you live in that reality, it does something to you. It changes your perspective on everything. We'll look at some of the effects uh, of it later on in the message, but it changed your perspective completely when you live with the reality of the fact that he's coming back for me. It just does something inside you and refocuses you completely. It, it helps you not to be focused on what's happening in the here and now. Because you're focused on what's happening then. And your focus then on the here and now is filtered by that focus. In other words, I'm making my decisions and my plans for the here and now based on the fact that he's coming. That he could come any moment for me. Based on the fact that, you know, I might not end this day on this planet. I might be with him. You know, and and he, he wants us to live with that thought in mind. Now, we do struggle with it. We struggle to stay in that place. You know, but because we struggle with it, doesn't mean we can say, ignore it. It's a command issued over and over and over again. When God gives us commands, he intends us to live with that reality. He doesn't, he, he doesn't allow for, well, I know, that's something I gave the apostles, but you know, uh, you guys don't have to do it because I understand it's a long time you're off the hook. He also gave us his Holy Spirit to enable us to live the way he wants us to live. And one of the areas that he wants us to live differently from the world is he wants us to live with this thought of, he's coming back. He could come any moment for me. And it's not something we're to be afraid of. The only reason we'd be afraid of it is because we're not walking right and living right. So if you live with the reality of his coming, you know what? It kind of shapes you up in your spiritual life. 
makes it real for you. He, he wants it to be something joyous. You know, the early believers <clears throat> would greet each other and they wouldn't say hello to each other. They would say, Maranatha, the Lord cometh. That, that was their, their, their standard greeting they, they were, because they were so aware of it. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't something they were kind of, it wasn't, oh no, he's coming. It was, he's coming back for us. And they, they lived in that light. And, you know, we look at the dynamic of the early church and how powerful it was. Well, you know what? If you were genuinely living with the reality of, okay, Jesus went back, he left, uh, <clears throat> and he, he went up into heaven, we saw him go, and he said he's coming again, and he said he'd come again soon for us. You know, <clears throat> if you lived in that reality, it, it would make it different for you. You know, <clears throat> uh, building an empire on the earth wouldn't really be important because you might never get to see the empire. Because you're, you're looking at the reality of he's coming for me. It changes everything we do on the planet if we live with the reality that Jesus uh, is coming back for us. All right. First thing we need to understand, though, is the return of Christ is imminent. Right? Now, imminent... <clears throat> Uh, l l let me explain imminent to you, right? An imminent event is one which is always hanging overhead, is constantly ready to befall or overtake one, close at hand in its incident, right? <clears throat> it's imminent. It can ha happen any time. Uh, so <clears throat> here's, here's what imminent is. Imminent, imminent means this. It could happen any moment, but it might not happen for a while. But it will happen, Right? It can happen any moment, but it might not happen. But it definitely, it might not happen immediately, but it definitely will happen. Right? That, that's imminent. Let, let me give you an illustration. I think imminent, imminent, the rain is always imminent in Ireland, isn't it? Rain is always imminent. You know, <clears throat> I despair of the forecast, and I know some of you are going to say to me it's not as bad as all that. But <clears throat> the, here's what the forecast say, says. The for, for, forecast basically for, for us says, you know, uh, if it's not cloudy, the sun will shine, and if it's cloudy, it's probably going to rain. Uh, you know, and honestly, I have three different apps on my phone where I look up the weather, and honestly, that's what it says. There's a chance of rain, right? So with the result... We're always expecting rain. How many of you have an umbrella in your car or in your bag somewhere that you carry with you all the time? Right? <clears throat> okay, that's, that, that's a good half of you are prepared. You're ready. Right, you guys in the men's home are tough. You don't need an umbrella. You can just, the, the rain can just bounce off you, right? Uh, but the rest, you know, listen, we're, we're, we're planning out. It's going to happen. There's, there's going to be rain. Uh, now, <laughs> the thing about rain in Ireland is sometimes we get a week when there's no rain. And we're amazed with ourselves. In fact, uh, you, you know, we're very forgetful. After a week with no rain, we forget what rain looks like almost, don't we? And we, and we dread it when it comes. <clears throat> you know, but you know what? Even if there's a week with no rain, we're going to get rain. It's going to happen. Now, our, our illustration, illustrations always fail the truth in the sense that they can't go as far as the truth. Here's where our illustration of the rain fails. You know, we've seen a lot of rain. You know, we've walked out of this place on a Sunday morning into a downpour. You, you know, you, 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 you've driven somewhere with the sun shining in the morning and by the time you got where you were going, it was pouring rain and you've seen rain. None of us have seen the Lord coming back. In fact, we didn't see it and, you know, none of our spiritual forebears have seen it because it hasn't happened yet. But just like you have an umbrella in your car because you expect it to rain, the rain is imminent, you need to be prepared because he's coming back. It's imminent. Now, let, let, let me say this. I want to do it as a preacher, and you probably want to do it. I want to look at, the, look, look at the signs of the times, and I want to change imminence into soon. Imminence can't change into soon. Right? If you say soon, it's not imminent. 
Right? Uh, we can say, well, the signs are, you know, it looks like it's going to happen. But you know, 2,000 years from now, believers might still be saying that, <clears throat> that, that it's soon. So we can't make it soon. Imminent is any moment. Any moment. Here's another thing you can't put. You can't put a date on imminence. Somebody says to you it's going to happen on a, uh, on a day. You can mark it on your calendar. That's the day when it's not going to happen. Because right? you can't know the day nor the hour. <clears throat> it's amazing how uh, people who should know better scripturally can miss it. But you can't know the day nor the hour. That, that's, that's in the Father's hands. So you, you can't put a date on it. You can't know. It's imminent. You see, if I put a date on it and say, well, you know what, six months from now the Lord's coming back. First of all, I don't know. But, but secondly, you know what, in the next six months I would think he's not coming back. Until then. No, he could come back before the service is over today. And he may not come back for 2,000 years. He could come back any day this week. That's imminence. It's going to happen. Hey, he's going to come. Uh, <clears throat> It's going to happen. That's, that's for real. The, 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 there's no way around it. He is coming back. And he's coming back imminently. That means at any moment, or maybe not for a while, but he's coming back. Now, I want to be able to kind of stir the pot for you and say to you, you know what, I'll tell you, this is happening. Iran is looking like this, and Israel is looking at this situation. You know what? Uh, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to happen pretty soon. There's going to be a, uh, a, a nuclear attack on Iran, and, and that's going to usher in the Third World War, and Jesus is going to come back. But that's not true. That becomes misleading. I think one of the problems for the church is that we tend to go that way. We focus on prophecy for a while, and when we're focused on prophecy, we want to take the imminence out of it and put, change it to soon. And then when soon doesn't show up, what happens is we get discouraged. And we say, oh yeah, yada yada. And we kind of forget about it for a while. Uh, but what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to live every day, every week, every month, every year with the idea that he's coming back and it could be today. Is my house in order? Are the people I love saved? He's coming back and it could be today. You see, we think we have tomorrow, but we don't know. See, he's coming back imminently. If you were taken out of the world today, what work that is absolutely critical that you need to do for the Lord would be undone? That you know you should have done. Who, who are you supposed to witness to that you haven't witnessed to yet? Because, you know, you've got time. No, we don't got time. It's imminent. His return can happen at any moment. <clears throat> Now, imminence also requires that there is no event necessary before the second coming can occur. There's nothing that has to happen before Jesus comes back. Absolutely nothing that has to happen. If we put something that has to happen, then what, what, what we've got to do, we've got imminence after that happens. All right? Uh, <clears throat> if we make the tribulation something that has to happen before Jesus comes back, then you know what? What we've done is we've removed imminence because the tribulation hasn't happened yet, and therefore, he, he can't come back yet. No, no, no. There's nothing like the, there's nothing on the calendar we're waiting for. The, listen, the disciples in Jerusalem before the first fall of Jerusalem believed in the imminent return of Jesus. They believed he was coming, and he was coming for them any time. You know. Nothing has to happen for him to come. By the way, let me, let me, let me help you so much with your end times doctrine. You know, if you get Israel and put Israel right in the right place where it's supposed to be, the very center of it all, 
Israel is the center of everything God is doing as far as the end times is concerned. If you put Israel in the right place, you know, time-wise and theologically, what you're going to find is you're going to eventually work yourself to a place where you're going to look, you know what, um, uh, you're going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. Um, you're going to find that God's going to take the church out before he does that. Really, the, 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 the misconception with the, with, with, with the end times and the confusion that's caused in the end times is they don't know where to put Israel. You know, I, I read something, listened to something this week, and it really made me laugh. Because uh, <laughs> there's, there's so much stuff out there on YouTube, folks, that you can watch, and that will just spin your mind out. But anyway, this guy, and I'd, I'd, I'd watch some other, guy, some other stuff with this guy, and, and it was really helpful to him. It was the Fuel Project uh, from Scotland. It was really helpful. And I watched the end time stuff he's got, and I thought, where did that come from? Here's what he did. He said the Jesuits are actually responsible for everything that's gone wrong in the world right now. In fact, the Jesuits are responsible for Israel being back in the land of Palestine. They did it to cause trouble between the Jews and the Muslims, and they're stirring it up and causing the whole thing to happen. And I, 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 I'm listening to, stuff, to this stuff. He looks intelligent. He sounds intelligent. He's definitely passionate about it. But where in heaven's name did he get the stuff he was telling me? It, it, it doesn't fit with any doctrine I've ever heard of. Uh, it's, it, it's his own. And you know what? The problem is he's got Israel in the wrong place. And if you put Israel in the wrong place, the rest of the equation is going to be all wrong. Right? <clears throat> Look, we'll say you give a child you know, a long uh, multiplication sum to do, right? And they've got to multiply four by four, and then they've got to, mu got to multiply the result by six, and they've got to multiply that result by eight, and, and they've got to go down through it and, and do it. Right? Well, we'll say he, he, he multiplies four by four, and he gets twelve. Right? You know what's going to happen? By the time he comes to the end of the equation, everything is completely wrong, out of whack. And you know the reason why? Because in the initial instance where he started from, he got it wrong. Right? And in order to fix it, he's going to have to go back and fix the initial equation, and then he's going to have to fix everything after that because it was based on a, uh, on a wrong. When it comes to you understanding... <clears throat> oh how the end times are going to play out and what God is doing. You need to get Israel and put it right where it is in God's <clears throat> um, plan. He, he, Israel is God's people. He has stepped away from them because <clears throat> of their rejection of the Savior. He has turned to the church to make them jealous. And when he's done with the church, he's going to turn back to them and he's going to deal with them. He's going to fulfill all the promises he made to them. And Jesus Christ is going to rule from Jerusalem. Amen. That's good news. All that's going to happen. But you've got to have Israel in the right place or you're never going to understand what's happening as far as end time doctrine is concerned. So whenever you look at somebody trying to spin a yarn as far as the end time doctrine is concerned, work your way back and find out where do they think Israel is. And if they've got Israel wrong, just shut it off. It's, it's no good. It's not going to help. Israel uh, <clears throat> is the center of everything that God is doing. And you know what the scripture said? They were going back and they've gone back. And um, <clears throat> it's the center of it all. And you, if you follow on from that, you end up with a pre-tribulation rapture uh, <clears throat> plan. And you end up understanding we're not going to go through the rapture. What God is going to do is God is going to lift us out beforehand. You say, that, 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 that's crazy. That's a miracle. The problem for you is... That you got to understand, listen, miracles are the order of the day with God. He does miracles all the time. That, that's no stretch. God can do anything that he wants to do. But you got to come to the place where you understand that, right? So eminence requires this, that there is nothing standing between us and what God wants to do. <clears throat> right? And then the second coming will happen uh, without warning as the flood did. 
Look at our verses here. <clears throat> Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Right. <clears throat> now, here's... Here, Here's what happened in the day of Noah. Noah's building an ark, right? Everybody thinks he's crazy. This guy's nuts. Uh, what's he doing? What's he about? It's huge. Nobody's ever seen anything as big as this. Nobody's ever seen that in the floated on water. You know, the guy is crazy. And so Noah is telling them why he's building it because God's going to send a flood and uh, only the people in the ark are going to be saved in the flood and they're laughing. They think it's a joke and so on. They continue to laugh and they continue to joke and they, they go about plowing their fields and sowing their crops and eating and drinking and getting married and <clears throat> for 120 years. Right? And, you know, they, they just think it's a big joke. They've been warned, but they think it's, think it's a big joke. And then one day the rain started. And before the day's out, they're all dead. They're all gone. It's over. It's finished. You know, <clears throat> and what he's saying is, as in the days of Noah, it's not that there's not a warning out there for people. There is a warning out there for people. They haven't heeded the warning, and because they haven't heeded the warning, something is going to happen to them that's going to seem to them like it's absolutely, incredibly sudden. And they're not expecting it. But that's what's going to happen. When, now, when the Lord comes back... <clears throat> by the way, do you think Noah had a responsibility to warn people it was going to rain? You do, don't you? I think we have a responsibility to warn people that Jesus is coming back. Wow, that's kind of hokey, you know what I mean? And they would think I'm a bit crazy if I was to say that kind of stuff to them. No, Jesus is coming back. They think that was kind of far out and so on. And, and I don't want to say that to them. Well, you know what? They won't think it's strange or weird the day he does. And remember that if you believe you're going to be taken out before the rapture, your opportunity to influence people and help people is gone. The moment that trumpet sounds and Jesus calls, calls you to be with him. It's gone. It's over. You know, uh, it's going to come, the, the Bible says, as a thief in the night. It's going to come upon us so quickly. And people are going to get left behind in it. Oh, <clears throat> you know, we, need, we need to speak to them in this day and age. We need to warn them that Jesus is coming back. You say, but they'll think I'm foolish. Listen, if you follow Christ, they're going to think you're foolish anyway. Uh, don't let it bother you. You know, <clears throat> speak about it. Tell, tell people that he is coming back. That we talked about it before, the greeting of the New Testament church was Maranatha, our Lord comes. So what you had was, you had a people whose heart longing was, he's coming. See, they had known what it was to have Jesus in their midst. They knew what it was to have him walk with them. And oh, they longed for those days again. They longed to hear his voice. They longed to see his face. They longed to hear him speak to them once again. And so they, that's what they lived for. And they lived for the fact that he's coming back. It wasn't something that was, you know, shoved on them, <clears throat> that they had no choice. No, it wasn't like that. This was something they wanted. You know, we need to understand the heart's desire of the believer ought to be, he's coming back for me. He's coming back for me. I'm going to live and be useful while I possibly can, but he's coming back for me. That, that's a game changer. In your life, the idea that he's coming back for you. <clears throat> Secondly, the return of Christ is a personal bodily return. <clears throat> it's a personal bodily return. We're, we're, we're in danger of becoming theologians of the end times and trying to work out all the details of the end times and so on and missing 
the whole point. Jesus is coming back for me. He is coming back for you. It's a personal bodily return. He is coming back for us. Let's not get all caught up in all the so that we miss it. He is coming back for us. <clears throat> John 14 verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, <laughs> let's say you're, you're one of those disciples in the upper room that night. And you've lived with the reality of Jesus now for three years. And it's been sweet. You know, there have been tough times, but listen, there was no time so tough that he wasn't able for it. There have been times when people tried to trip him up and, uh, and cause trouble, but you know what? He was master of it all. There have been times when there was no food, but you know, it was no problem to him. He just made food. You know, there were times when there were storms and he spoke to them and he said, be still, and they were still. I'll tell you what, those were exciting years for those men that walked with him. And now Jesus says, listen, I'm going away. I'm going to die. All right? <clears throat> now, and we've just read John 14, 1 through 3. You know, you don't hit those disciples. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Oh, great, we're going to get new houses. That, that's not what hit them. That was a secondary impact for them. You know, <clears throat> um, that, here's what hit them. He's coming back. He's coming back. He says he's going away, but he's coming back for me. Just imagine yourself as a child, <clears throat> and mother's gone away, right? You've seen a child do this. You probably can't remember doing it yourself, but you've probably done it yourself too. But, but mommy's gone away, and mommy is lifeblood. Mommy is the source of all life. Mommy is the one that makes life work up to a certain age for a child. And so mommy's gone away, and um, <clears throat> the child is inconsolable. Well, what consoles the child? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you something nice while I'm away. No. You know what consoles the child? Honey, I'm coming back for you. I'm not staying away. I'm coming back. Oh, well, I can live without you for maybe for a little while. The fact that you're coming back makes it work for me. You know, <clears throat> that's what Jesus wanted these men to know. That's what he wants you to know. He's coming back for you. He hasn't left you as an orphan. He's coming back for you. This is not your life. This is just where you live right now. You're a pilgrim passing through. He's coming back for you. When he comes back for you, he's going to take you to be with him. Doesn't that help? Doesn't that really help uh, with the troubles of life? He's coming back for me. Now, I know Paul and Lisa weren't looking for him to come back before Tuesday. Uh, and sometimes we have stuff going on in our lives like that, you know, where we don't want him coming back before then. But you know what? He's coming back for me. It's okay. I haven't been left here to, to, you know, to, to struggle through on my own. It doesn't all have to work out the way I want it to work out because this is not the final story. He's coming back for me. He's gone, <clears throat> but he's coming back. He's, going to, he's coming back and he's, and he's going to take me to be with him and I'm going to be with him forever. And by the way, <clears throat> we understand that you know, you're not going to be in heaven looking at the golden, uh, <clears throat> the golden streets and saying, wow, look at those golden streets. Aren't they just amazing? You know, you're not even going to be wandering around looking at the fruit and thinking the fruit is amazing. 
that's not what heaven is. Those things are in heaven. But you know what? I always think that the fact that heaven is paved with gold means, you know what? Uh, we don't really t- think much of our paving, do we? You know what we put down the other? We put tarmac atom out there. We don't really think much of that. That's just tarmac atom. We walk on it and all kinds of things happen. But it's not a big deal to us. You know, the fact that heaven is paved with gold just means, you know what? Everything in heaven is so perfect and gold means nothing. You know what matters in heaven? He's there. He's there. And you'll never be separated from him again. You're going to be with him forever and ever and ever. And you say, how can we all be with him? I don't know. I can't work that out. But you know what? If he's personal personal to me today, he's going to be much more personal to me then. I'll be able to see him. I'll be able to enjoy his presence. I'll be able to walk with him. I'll be able to know him better than I know him today. He's coming back for me. Doesn't that, doesn't that help you? Doesn't that help you with the problems you're facing this week? Now, you know, don't get a cop of theology where you don't deal with the problems because Jesus is coming back. That's, that's not a good theology to have. But do understand this, that whatever happens this week, he's coming back for you. He's coming back and he's going to take you to be with him. You may say, well, hang on, my life's not going so well. It's okay, he's coming back for you. You say, well, I'm not perfect. He knows you're not perfect. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. He's coming back for you. you know, he's not coming back to check you out and say, Can you, are you going to come with me or not? No, 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 he's coming back for you. One day soon, well, there I go again, one day soon. <clears throat> one day he's coming back for us. I don't know when, but he's coming back for us. It could be any day. And you know what? That's good enough for me. That helps. That helps a lot. All right? Okay, number three. The effect of living in the shadow of his return. First of all, the second coming motivates us to evangelism. Second Peter 3, a key key thought there is, God is not slack concerning his promises, some men can slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, here's, here's what's holding it back. What's holding back the end is, well, what Jesus is doing in, he- in heaven right now is, he's holding back the end, and he's holding back the end for a specific purpose, he tells us, so that people can be reached with the gospel. So that your friends, your family, can be reached with the gospel. He's holding it back so that they can be reached with the gospel. Now, you know what? <clears throat> Two reasons I want to see people saved, right? <clears throat> uh, from this verse. First one is, if that's the heart of God, I love him, and I want to do what pleases him. If he is so interested in souls getting saved that he's holding back the end so they can get saved, I want to be involved in that. I want to tell people about that. I want to be on the ball as far as that is concerned. Lord, help me. I want, that's what I want to do. The second thing is, listen, if he's coming back and he's holding back till the end, I don't know when he's going to say, okay, that's it. It's done. Here's what I, here's what I think when it says God is long-suffering, I think what God is saying is, I am suffering with this world now. It's causing me pain. It's causing me pain because of sin and wickedness. And there's coming a day when the pain is going to be done. But right now, I'm willing to put up with the pain so that souls can be saved. So, you know what? When he comes, and when he says it's over, I'm done. And this glorious day of grace is over. This glorious day when the gospel is freely preached and people can turn to Jesus Christ and be saved by grace. When this glorious day is over and people have to face the tribulation, and I think people can get saved in the tribulation, but you know what? I don't think it's going to be easy. 
I think it's going to be a whole lot harder in that day. I, I don't want people going through that. Now, I know I can't stop them and you can't stop them, but I can warn them. I can tell them. The invitation is now. The time is now. I can encourage them to get saved now. And you know, if I'm living with the reality that he might come today, I don't have forever to tell people. We need to be urgently about this business because he's coming back imminently. So the first thing it's going to do is it's going to affect your... <clears throat> uh, it's going to affect your, your evangelism. <clears throat> the coming of the Lord will usher in a great tribulation when the cup of God's wrath will be poured out upon the lost, when the God who said vengeance is mine will execute judgment upon a world that has rejected his offer of love and mercy, there will be slaughter and agony and darkness and earthquakes. And that doesn't even say the half of it. Read the book of Revelation and see what God's going to do. But <clears throat> you know what? We need to be witnesses in this day and age. And if we live with the reality of his coming, that will make us witnesses. Uh, then the second coming is the antidote to worldliness and apathy. You, you know the reason we get so attached to this world? Because this is all there is right now. You know, so we want the things of this world and we get focused on the things of this world and we get plans for how we're going to have more of the things of this world and, you know, <coughs> how, how we're going to have more money and more stuff and more of all those things. And, and, and the problem for us is we're too focused on this world. I was thinking about this this morning. <coughs> What if it was all taken away from you? Everything. Does it happen to Christians? It's happening to Christians right now in Iraq. It's happening to Christians in Syria right now. Everything gets taken away from them. It's happening to Christians all over this world. We live in a, in a lovely sense of security in the West where we think, you know what, it's nothing like that's going to happen. We've got rights. Well, listen, all your rights could be taken away in the morning. What have you lost all of it? You know what? You could survive as long as you had God. In fact, you might thrive spiritually like you can't believe. In fact, if you think about it, sometimes all that you have becomes a noose around your neck that's holding you back, not really helping you. You see, the problem for us is we're people of the earth and we tend to focus on the things of the earth and we, we get caught up in those things and... <clears throat> What changes that is, you know what, listen, he could come tomorrow. He could come tomorrow. I don't, I don't need stuff because, you know what, I'm going to leave it all behind anyway. He could come tomorrow. Stuff's not the problem. The problem is our desire, our covetousness for stuff. You know what help us with being worldly? If we live in the reality of the fact that he's coming back for us. The second coming is the incentive to sanctification. You know what? <clears throat> I don't think Christ is going to reject any of us because we're not where we should be. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I mean, we're in based upon what Jesus did for us. We're in all the way based upon what Jesus did for us. But you know what? When he comes, I don't want to be stumbling over myself saying, well, Lord, I'm sorry for this, and oh, Lord, I, that, that's wrong in my life. Oh, Lord, forgive me, please. I don't want to be in that place. I want to be living... Right. I want to be in that place when he comes. He can look at me and he can smile. Right? And if I think he's coming back any moment, you know what? I'm going to live like that. It's, it's, it's the incentive to sanctification. I want to be holy because Jesus is coming back and he could come back any minute for me. So I want to live holy uh, with that in mind. 
Also, the second coming is the comfort of the church. Listen, we have it good in this day and age. <clears throat> but even in the fact that we have it good, we have problems. You have problems, I have problems, there's, there's difficulties. And th there's likely to be many more difficulties in our life. But you know what's a comfort? This is not it. He's coming back for me. I'm going to be with him. That's the comfort of the church. The second coming is the vindication of his people. Uh, <clears throat> when he comes back, what's going to happen is he's going to show the world that he is God and that you were right. That, that's one of the things that's going to be shown. Let me, let me quote you some verses here. Um, <clears throat> Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Right now, sometimes it doesn't look like you're much. You're living for Christ and you're doing, uh, living your life uh, as best you can, depending upon God to help you and enable you. And people look at you and they think you're a bit weird. People look at you and they think, you know, listen, you're a bit strange. And you won't do some of the things they do and they think you're just kind of backward. There's something wrong with you. But you know, when Jesus comes, there's going to be a blinding light that's going to change everything. And all of a sudden, the winners are going to be the people that walked by faith in him. The winners are going to be the people that, <clears throat> that were his. All of a sudden, it's all going to change in a moment. Right now, it doesn't look like Christianity's <clears throat> any great thing. It doesn't look like you're any great thing. But you know what? When he comes back, all of a sudden, it's going to change. It's going to be, we were right now... I, that, that's kind of a carnal motivation in a sense, but it's real. It's true. It's biblical. He's going to actually show <clears throat> that walking with him was the way to go. Don't let the world hinder you from that walk with him today, because any day now it's going to change, and he's going to say this is the right way to walk. And then the second coming is the glorification of the Lord in the eyes of the world. You know, <clears throat> when Jesus left this world, he had been before Pilate, He'd been hung on a cross, and he looked like a loser. Now, he didn't care, but in the world's eyes, you know what? They put paid to him. I remember that man telling me, I can remember, I can still hear him saying, if he comes back again, we'll do the same thing to him again as we did the first time. You know what? No, they won't. When he comes back the next time, he's coming back in glory. Matthew 26, 64 says, uh, thou hast said, nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking to Pilate, I say unto you, hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. When he comes back, he's coming back in power. He's coming back in glory. He's coming back to show the world that he is the rightful owner of all of it. And he's coming back to straighten out all the wrongs and all the problems. And nobody, nobody, is going to succeed in standing against them. They will try, but they will all fail. And I love the way it says, it's going to be effortless on his part. You know, he's got a sword, but he's not going to use it. He's going to defeat them all uh, with the sword of his mouth, with his tongue. He's just going to slay everything and lay everything low. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back in <clears throat> glory. Now, the second coming of Christ dominates the Bible. 
Old and New Testament. It dominates. It's there. God has a plan for that. I understand. You know, we live in 2015. You know, that's 2015 years, give or take, uh, since Jesus said he was coming back. And you know, it's hard for us to think he's coming back any moment. But that's what the Bible says we're supposed to have in our minds and in our hearts. We're supposed to wake up with the reality it could be today. Now, a lot of things in the Christian life don't happen because they're supposed to happen. They happen because we decide by his grace they're going to happen in our lives. And here's what we need to do this morning. We need to say, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to remind myself every day that you're coming. And I'm going to live in the light of the fact that you're coming for me. And it could be today. And you know what that will do? That will transform us. Like few things can. If we live in the reality that he's coming and it could be today. Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you a moment to, to do business with God, just you and Him, uh, doing business with God, and make a commitment to Him that you're going to actually spend time each day remembering that He's coming. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise, Lord. What a glorious, happy, joyful thought you're coming back for us. Lord, that you could break through the clouds right now and call us to be with you. Oh, Lord, would you help us to live in that reality and to be the Christians you want us to be. Uh, Lord, bless your people now as they turn to you. Hear their voice, I pray in Jesus' name. I want you to just do business with God right where you stand and ask him to, 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 to keep you in that place and purpose to be in that place.